This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, January 5th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. The vaccine against COVID-19 was developed largely by private industry and arrived quickly enough, but the rollout of vaccines has been slow and entirely controlled by the federal and state governments. Cato's Jeff Singer suggests an alternative approach that would mean fewer vaccine doses ending up in the trash. New York Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo has said that hospitals have been receiving the vaccines and uh, for either, it seems, tossing out vaccine or giving vaccines to people who are not in this highest tier priority list for receiving it could be potentially fined tens of thousands or up $100,000 if they do it uh, that way. It it just seems to me that that's not a recipe for getting more vaccine into people's arms. No, it's very, uh, it's sort of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation as well. So uh, if you have leftover vaccine, these vaccines, once they're defrosted uh, for use, they have a very short shelf life. In fact, uh, the vials that are, are used to draw out the actual dose to give to someone, once they're used, once they're punctured with the needle, you have about five hours before you have to discard it. That's just the, the way the vaccine is made. It doesn't keep. So you have this situation where uh, there are people who maybe are not showing up because they're in a priority group and they're not showing up because they're not interested. Some people, uh, for different reasons, some are afraid, some uh, just aren't interested. Uh, then various reasons why people are not taking advantage of the vaccine. And so now they got this vaccine that they have to dispose of by the end of the day. And other people who might be really anxious to get that vaccine would love to have it. They're not allowed to get it. So it gets thrown out. That's a, a paradox. That That's uh, sort of what happens, you know, in central planning. Anybody who realizes the problems that are associated with central planning shouldn't be surprised to learn about these kind of stories turning up. Now, um, there's a weird tension here, though, because the people that we would like to have vaccinated most, uh, at least in that first tier, the people who that I think almost all of us could agree are uh, people who should be at the front of the line, uh, are people that might have difficulty getting it or might have difficulty affording it. Well, you know, that's why uh, there are basically two ways in which you can distribute goods and services in society. The, the most efficient way is through the market. Uh, and the person who values it the most pays the highest price. When it comes to the, this public health crisis, uh, governments around the world and at all levels of government have decided that the best thing to do is have the government be the sole purchaser of the vaccine, sort of have a monopoly on it, and then distribute it through a central plan based upon what is it determines to be the highest priority hierarchy. Um, when you do that, it's a given that that's not, there's going to be a lot of mistakes. There's going to be a lot of uh, in, inefficiencies and you're going to have problems like we're, we're hearing. So for example, there were reports over the New Year's weekend in California, New York, Ohio, other states, where frontline health workers who you think would be very 
eager to get vaccinated. Uh, they're the you know the ones most likely to get it while they're working with patients, and most likely to spread it around their institutions or bring it home to their household. Uh, in some cases, up to fifty percent are passing on the opportunity. Some of them are afraid because they they they, they don't know about side effects. Some of them are. Uh, don't think they need it because they I've heard some say, well, if I haven't got it by now, I must have natural immunity. So I don't I don't need it. So you, you have the have this vaccine getting unused. Um, there there are different. The, the, fortunately for our country, we have a federal system. So instead of having one giant central plan for the entire 330 million American people, we have 51 different central plans. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the CDC in Washington has given its recommendations as to how the priorities should be, but each state has its right to set up its own hierarchy of priorities. And some states uh, have set up different hierarchies. So for example, in the state of Florida, uh, they've included anyone over 65 in the first priority group, along with frontline health workers and uh, nursing home residents. Uh, other states uh, have not done that. But the, the only problem is that in most states, what they've done is they've said, okay, right now we're going to just do priority group number one. And we'll keep you posted when priority group number two is going to be uh, able to get the vaccine. So they kind of are seeing how things are going. And then uh, their state health directors, in in, obviously in consultation with the governor, Decide. Okay, it's time. It's now time that we could allow number two to come in as well. Um, a more, I, I've suggested that uh, one way to do that more smoothly, perhaps, would be to do something akin to the way airlines board their planes. So, for example, you could announce in advance a schedule uh, of. Uh, just say not this is not cast a stone, but say weeks one through three, we're only going to do priority group number one. Weeks three through six is one and two. Weeks six through nine is one, two, and three. So at least if you're in priority group number two, you know that you're going to get your turn in three weeks. Uh, and also after three weeks, um, those people in priority group number one who don't seem to be that interested in getting vaccinated, well, the vaccine now is going to be available one and two. So there's less chance for wastage. To me, that that would be a, a suggestion that I think that that should be considered. Well, what do you make of the states um, that have, you know, as uh, Andrew Cuomo has probably most dramatically, but the idea of penalizing people who get in, who jump the line? You know, I, I, I think that, of course, that that that's counterproductive. Number one, you're going to what you're doing is you're guaranteeing that vaccines are going to go this uh, unused and discarded. Um, but the, the people who really want it, uh, you would think, are the people who are most at risk and most fear uh, the infection from COVID. They could be the ones most likely to be spreading. They could be in situations where uh, they may have a household where they're worried about giving it to somebody. So I don't think that's the, the way to, to do it. Um, what I understand happens in Washington, D.C., is towards the end of the day, uh, the pharmacists in D.C. Are, are the ones doing the vaccinations. They're told uh, that they, towards the end of the day, if they look like they're going to have leftover, they could start announcing uh, to people, you know, we have some leftover. We don't want to throw it out. So if anybody's interested who hasn't shown up today, 
you can come on in and get it right now. We're closing in at five o'clock. That's sort of what they do in, in Israel. In Israel, they've vaccinated a huge percentage of their population very quickly because what they do in Israel is uh, their vaccination sites, as the day is winding to a close, if they see they're going to have unused open vials that they would ha- they can't keep, they let young people who are interested know that uh, you know you can come in uh, first come first serve or whatever uh, between these hours uh, before we close. And people have been showing up and getting vaccinated. Now the young people, of course, are the ones who are less likely to get seriously ill or die. But on the other hand, those are the ones who are most likely to be outside and active and likely to spread the virus. So there's a a good reason to want to let these people who really want to get vaccinated. I mean, there's a reason why they really want to get vaccinated. It's usually because they want to engage in activities that are at greater risk of spreading the virus. So if you got unused vaccine and they want it, I, I say give it to them. At least one of the the major pharma houses that was developing as these vaccines had it within a, a few weeks of being of accessing um, the actual virus, and of course, a lot of testing has to occur before it's uh, ready for prime time. But it's just so odd the incredible disparity between the speed with which the the private sector moved to create this vaccine and ramp up production and you know jump through some regulatory hurdles we could argue about how reasonable some of those are but this rollout has been really bad well that's what happens of course when you have a government run central plant but a, a lot of uh, it's kind of frustrating to think uh, how quickly they were able to develop vaccine yet we had to wait almost a year before we were able to have access to it. Um, a lot of people who are afraid to get vaccinated are saying, well, I don't know, this came out so much more quickly than I'm used to. I'm afraid that it may not be safe. To me, when when my reaction was, this came out so quickly, why can't we, th- this means we could do things more quickly if we really want to. Why, why should we have to wait sometimes 10 to 12 years for somebody's life to be saved when we could do it so much sooner. Uh, and part of it is, you know, our regulatory system also has has made it difficult for, for example, voluntary human challenge trials. And there may be some people who are willing for the right price with complete, their eyes wide open, complete informed consent to, to participate in human challenge trials early on that could help get these vaccines to us much sooner. The vaccine manufacturer is not going to want to uh, obviously sell it until they are comfortable that it's uh, that it could work and that it's safe. They got their own reputation and liability concerns to, to consider. But still, there there are ways that we could have gotten this out even quicker than the ten to twelve months it took. Jeff Singer is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.